partake. We have been uh, studying through the Baptist Catechism, and uh, this is, um, uh, to me, a, uh, a, a, a wonderful series. Uh, the, the Baptist Catechism, like the other great catechisms of, uh, of the church through history, is a wonderful way to learn about God's Word. Um, and um, the older kids have been studying a catechism that's, uh, that's very much like this one, and, and most of it is word for word in uh, the Westminster Shorter, um, Shorter Catechism. Um, eventually, we're going to get to par- the parts that talk about baptism, and then um, they'll have to change their lessons, and we'll, we'll teach them Baptist theology, and, and, uh, and, and we'll see why this one's a, a little bit different from uh, the... Uh, the Westminster Catechism. Um, so uh, for those of you who are familiar, um, the, the, baptism, the Baptist Catechism is, is uh, very similar, almost word for word, for the uh, um, Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is uh, what uh, Presbyterians use, and, and this is the Baptist version of that. And if you're not familiar, the catechisms are teaching tools, uh, and um, they're tools to review. What does the Bible have to say about all kinds of different topics? And it points us to Scripture. And uh, it points us to what Scripture teaches. And uh, so this reading, studying a catechism like this is a great way to become familiar with what God's Word says about all kinds of different topics. And uh, the, the catechism does that by asking a series of questions and giving a series of answers. Uh, so far, we have studied the first 53 questions of the Baptist Catechism. And um, we have entered into uh, a study of the Ten Commandments. So um, really, tonight's lesson is a lesson on uh, the Ten Commandments and specifically on the Second Commandment. So if you were here last time, the last time we addressed the First Commandment, um, the powerful Commandment, and it's uh, it's first um, for a reason. Um, it uh, teaches us and commands us to honor God as God, to worship Him, and to obey Him because He is God, and to give no one else what is truly God's due. So the honor and glory that is due to God, we are not to give to anybody else. In a way, the first commandment. Uh, is itself uh, a, a statement of principle and purpose for our um, uh, for all of the Ten Commandments, for our obligation to obey God as God, and uh, the rest of the commandments are uh, in, in an outflow of that. In in some sense, we are to have no other gods before Him. He is to be our God, which means we obey Him. And now the rest of the commandments. Um, Join with that one to summarize God's moral law. Uh, so tonight we'll be looking at the second commandment, and uh, you can open your Bibles to where we find these, uh, these commandments in Scripture, uh, to Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 21. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, 
For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Now, the Catechism teaches us uh, um, this second commandment in much the same way that it taught the first. It's going to ask the question, first of all, what is the uh, second commandment? And then, what does it require? What does it forbid? And uh, finally, what are the reasons for the second commandment. Um, it's very helpful that uh, the catechism uh, doesn't leave us with because I said so, uh, but uh, actually answers that uh, burning question. Why is this the, uh, the commandment that we're given? So first of all, which is the second commandment? And, of course, we've just read it. The second commandment is, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. That's the second commandment. So this is the commandment not to make any image uh, in worship. The next question, question 55, asks, what is required in the second commandment? And the catechism answers it this way. What, is, what does the second commandment require? So we've just read it. Now what does it require? The second commandment requires the receiving, observing, 
and keeping pure and entire all such religious worship and ordinances as God has appointed in his word. So receiving, observing, and keeping pure and entire all such religious worship and ordinances as God has appointed in his word. So this is a positive commandment. This is the positive side of the commandment we're going to uh, address afterwards. After we address the positive commandment, we're going to address the negative prohibition. So each of the Ten Commandments, it has implications for how we should live and how we must not live. So now we're going to address first, what does the second commandment, not to make any carved image, what does that tell us about what we ought to do? And the answer is that we must worship God in every way in which he has commanded us to worship him. If God has commanded us to worship him, and if he has told us how we should worship him, then we have a duty to worship God just the way he has instructed us to do it. Very simple. In a way, this is, uh, if you were here for the first, discussing the first commandment, in a way, this is just a, uh, it's, it's very similar to the principle that we obey God because he's God. And so, of course, when he tells us to worship him and tells us how to worship him, we obey. And, uh, and so, in, in a way, this isn't telling us anything more than that, um, but it's giving us a specific application that, yes, even when we're worshiping him, and actually, especially when we are worshiping him, we must be obedient to him in our worship. Deuteronomy 32, verse 45 and 46 says, uh, And when Moses had finished speaking all these words to Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command, uh, commend them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word, you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. So even in the Old Testament, as God gave all these laws and all these, including ceremonial laws that had to do with the worship of God, um, they were to be careful to do everything that God commanded them in worship. Acts chapter 2 describes the example of the early church. Um, and in Acts chapter 2, Peter had preached the gospel uh, to many people. And uh, in Acts 2.41, it says that those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And in verse 42, then, it tells us how the people responded. And immediately... When these people received the gospel, they heard it. What did they do? It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer. So we see the example there. As soon as people are saved, they are devoted to worship among God's people. They're devoted to uh, the fellowship of the, <coughs> of, of the saints in the church. So again, in one sense, this is just a very specific application 
of the general duty that we have to obey God in anything. But it's specifically set apart as to worship, and it's emphasized in a powerful way. And uh, you, you heard the, the reasons. We're going to get more into the reasons uh, in a little bit when the catechism takes us there. But God has emphasized this. Some of the commandments are short and sweet, right? You shall not steal. But I read the second commandment, and it was a lot longer. So just the fact that it was so much longer, that is emphasis, isn't it? That is God emphasizing that he takes his worship very, very seriously. It's not enough just to leave it as obey God. We have that. But this commandment is telling us we need to obey God when he tells us how to worship him. So uh, there are a few ways uh, in which the catechism calls out um, how we honor God, how we obey God in our worship. We, if God has told us to do it, then we are to receive it. That's his instruction to us, and we receive it as such. That's how we worship him. And we're then to observe it. That means not just receive it, but we have to do it. We have to do it. And that, that does have some implications for us. Now, one of the things, uh, if, um, you know, Lawrence just went through new members class, and one of the things that we talk about in new members class is, uh, is that when you join a, a church, when you join the body of Christ, you are devoted to worshiping him when he's called us to worship. He's called us to worship on the Lord's Day. That's why throughout uh, uh, more than 2,000 years, people have been gathering every Sunday on the day of the Lord to worship him because that's what he told us to do. And if he told us to do that, we do it. We don't have to ask questions about it. Now, things can keep us away, can, can prevent us. Um, you know, you can tie me up and throw me in the back of a car and I'm not going to get here. Um, I'm, I'm stuck in a trunk and, uh, uh, and uh, that'll, that'll prevent me from being here. And there could be other things that prevent you from being here that are less extreme, but, uh, but things can prevent you. But, but you are not missing the worship of God because you would rather be doing something else or because you don't feel like it, because you stayed up too late last night, um, because you were playing video games. Um, at that point, you've chosen something else instead of the worship of God. And many of the things that keep us away keep us away from uh, worshiping God are choices that we've made to prioritize things other than God and other than his worship. And we ought to see from this commandment that God's priority is his worship. It's a serious uh, priority, and that needs to be the way we approach it as well. Um, many of us are very devoted to, uh, to our jobs, to our daily responsibilities, and we're going to do them no matter what. And this commandment should cause you to question, am I similarly devoted? Uh, not just similarly, but am I even more devoted to worshiping God the way he has commanded me to worship him? You're devoted to your job. You show up on time every day. <coughs> you approach worship in the same way, with the same zeal. It's non-negotiable. We must worship him in every way that he's commanded. So that's the positive 
side of the uh, commandment. Uh, it also uh, tells us that in addition to receiving and observing it, we keep it pure and entire. So we keep it <coughs> pure and entire, everything that he has, has uh, called us to do. Uh, that means it's pure. That means we don't mix our worship with things that are, are not worshipful, that, that he hasn't uh, commanded us uh, to do with our own things. We don't compromise it by intermixing our, our own uh, human pursuits along with the worship of God. Our worship is pure, and it is for God alone. And we, don't, uh, we keep it entire. That means we don't take anything away. We don't, um, there, there's nothing about the worship of God that we subtract. We don't subtract from the commandments of God. Uh, so that's the positive side of, uh, of the commandment. Question 56 asks, what is forbidden in the second commandment? And uh, the answer is that the second commandment forbids the worshiping of God by images or any other way not appointed in his word. So, of course, we need to do what God commands. That's the positive side. But the negative prohibition, what we are forbidden from doing, what kind of worship is forbidden, that's more difficult. And actually, like a lot of the commandments, even though it has a positive side to it, and the catechism starts with that, um, the commandment is framed in the negative. You shall not make any carved image. So that's the more difficult side, um, but it's important. Do not worship in this way that God has, uh, has forbidden. Uh, that means when the second commandment says don't make any carved image, that means not even if you're worshiping God with that carved image. So you don't worship that way, and you don't even worship God that way. That's not how you worship God. You certainly don't worship a different God that way, and that's the first commandment, isn't it? Uh, but the second commandment is dealing with worship of God himself as well. And so even when, even that, we're, we're not going to place an idol on this altar. We don't have idols. Um, we're, um, one of the objections that, uh, that we as a Reformed church had to, uh, to the Catholic church was uh, this was a Catholic church, which once upon, once upon a time this building was owned by Catholics. And uh, what do you think we saw on the walls here? We saw an, uh, an image of, uh, of Jesus Christ uh, crucified. And that, those images were objects of worship um, that, uh, for people to venerate. And we don't do that. Because the second commandment tells us not to make any uh, graven image. So, um, the first application here is that we is, is very specific that we don't make images for worship, and this is because God is spirit. God is he, he's not a a big guy in a big chair in the sky. God is spirit. He is everywhere. He is infinite. You cannot confine him to a shape or a place or a time. God is infinite. 
He is everywhere. He is bigger than you can imagine. He is beyond your imagination. He is great, wonderful, perfectly holy, and infinite in every way. So that's God. So because that's God, anything that we make to portray him, we, we could carve on this altar for worship, we could carve, I don't know, say a golden calf. That calf, no matter how beautiful you made it, it would be too little to convey God's glory. It would be lesser than and it would be other than God. And we are to worship God himself. And so how do we worship him? We worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, John 4.24 says, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. So he's spirit. We don't worship him as an image or as a picture or as a shape. We worship him as spirit, invisible, greater than uh, all of his creation. And we worship him in truth. Christianity is a message. It's a message of a reality of what God has done, what the infinite, eternal God has done that we receive. And so we worship him by proclaiming truth. That's what we're doing right now. We are worshiping God by proclaiming and receiving the truth of who he is and his commandments uh, to us. And so also we worship by revelation. God is infinite. We can't put him in a box and worship him in a box. But what we can do is we can do what he has invited us to do. Infinite, eternal God has invited us in his word and given us a way that we can worship him and know him. So we worship according to his revelation. Now, the catechism also says we're not to worship God in any other way. Even without images, we're not to worship God in any other way that's not appointed in his word. The same reason, uh, same reasons why we don't worship God by images, and we're going to get to those reasons. Um, but this commandment, like all the commandments, it operates from a principle that you can call the greater to the lesser. Uh, it gives an example of the greater, and that greater example gives us the principle that we apply to the lesser. How do we know that this is the case? It's because Jesus told us so in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus was talking about the sixth commandment, which is do not murder. And he explained that that commandment also requires that we not be angry with a brother or sister. It's the same sin. It's a lesser expression of the same sinful heart. Because sin happens in your heart first. It's a sinful desire. And then your actions flow out of it. And so in an extreme case, the, the, most, the most extreme example of that sin of anger is murder. But that sixth commandment also includes lesser forms of the same heart. Maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't um, um, act on that sin by killing but you sure did have that sin in your heart. And in the same way, 
that principle that we're commanded not to make images, that's a principle not to go make up your own ways of worshiping God. You're not to create the worship of God. You're to receive it. You're not to invent it. You are to obey. So question 57 asks, what are the reasons annexed to the second commandment? And the answer is that the reasons annexed to the second commandment are God's sovereignty over us, his propriety in us, and the zeal he has to his own worship. That last part is what we saw. Um, It's especially what you see in uh, the serious warnings uh, after you read the second commandment uh, in the book of Exodus. Uh, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Uh, This is the seriousness with which God takes his worship. We worship him in the way he's commanded and only in the way he's commanded because, uh, first, his sovereignty, because God is sovereign and he, he is sovereign over his worship. Who has the right to tell God what he likes, what he wants from his people? You? No, God has that right. So our worship is governed by the principle of God's sovereignty over his own worship. So you might come up with some, some form of, uh, of worship in, involving uh, ribbons and dancing and think that God should very much like that. But he hasn't told us to do that. So um, you might think he should like that, but you don't have any right to, to decide what he likes. God has commanded us. He has to- told us how we are to worship him. Um, worship of God belongs to God. It, is, it, it doesn't belong to us. Um, it's also a blessing for us. It's a gracious gift that God has given us, that he meets with us, he speaks with us. Uh, he is present with us. But it's also a blessing that he gives to us because he has chosen to give it to us. So if you make up your own thing, it's not a gift from God. It's your gift to yourself. Um, so it, it's not for us to decide what we want to do in worship and, and how we want to, uh, our worship to be and make up what we like. It's no different from creating that carved image. It's God's choice. And uh, it's how he has commanded us to give glory to him. If he wanted us to do something different, then uh, he could have commanded it. He gave us his word. But this is how he has asked and commanded us to honor him. So when we worship him in that way, we honor his commandments, and we honor his sovereignty over his own worship. The word propriety here, um, propriety means being conformed to a standard. That's what propriety means. Propriety means being conformed to a standard. And so in worship, we honor, honor the Lord by, conf- uh, by conforming ourselves to his standard in worship, that very act of simply receiving worship of God the way he has told us to worship him in his word. We're conforming ourselves to his commandments, to his standard. And uh, lastly, of course, 
the zeal that God has for his own worship. Um, in all of this, we worship God, I said before, we worship God according to his revelation. We worship God as he's revealed, and we worship him in the way he's revealed. All of this flows from who God is. God is transcendent. He is infinite. He's greater than we can imagine. We cannot approach him in ourselves. We can't approach him first because we're sinners. But you know what? Uh, even in Eden, even when Adam and Eve were without sin, if God did not come down to meet with them, they could never have climbed their way up to God. Even then, we cannot reach up to God, but he can condescend to us, and he did. And what an expression of his goodness that he reached down to us to have a relationship with us. The only way we can know God is by knowing what he reveals of himself. We can't make it up. The only way we can have a relationship with God through worship is by worshiping him in the way that he has said he's going to work for us. He's told us that when we do these things, when we pray, when we sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, uh, when we hear the preached word, when we take communion, uh, when we baptize uh, new believers, all of these things, these are things that God has given us. When we gather on the Lord's Day, as we did this morning, as we're doing now, this is what God has commanded us to do. And so when we worship on Sunday morning, every single thing we do comes from Scripture. We do it because we find a scriptural merit um, a, a scriptural warrant and a scriptural uh, example for worshiping God in that way. That's where we find our worship. Everything we do is grounded in what God has instructed us uh, to do in his word to worship him. We can't climb our way to him. These are the ways that God has given us to know him and to worship him. So that's what governs our worship. Um, we are not uh, looking for new ways to invent for ourselves to reach up to God. Um, we worship him in truth. Uh, any approximate representation that we could come up with would be lesser than what he is. It would compromise the truth. So the only way to worship God in spirit and in truth is to worship him the way he's revealed himself in scripture. That means we proclaim what he says, not some representation that we can imagine. And we worship him in the way he has commanded us to worship. Because worship belongs to God. And he is the one who gives it to us as a gift. And through that worship, we can know him. We can be present with him. We can feel and experience his presence with us as we did this morning, as we're doing tonight. It's a blessing that he gives us. But the second commandment tells us, we are to worship. If we want to know God, we worship him as he has given that worship to us. Let's close.
Heavenly Father, thank you for your holy word, and thank you for the second commandment, which teaches us to seek you, know you, and worship you.